Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Start acting like you deserve it. Whatever the life is that you're longing for, you know, whatever the money is that you're longing for, whatever the the pleasure is, whatever the experiences is, start acting in accordance with those things and so that you can really keenly feel into your body that this is for you. Because they're not by accident. The desires that you have are not by accident. They're all things that are available to you as long as you're open to receiving them. So act as if you already have those things. Act in accordance with what it is that you're trying to create for yourself. And and let go of the things that don't belong to you. Welcome back. I hope your week's been awesome so far. If you haven't heard my recent conversations yet with ISO accreditation expert Mel Blackmore and with strategic storytelling coach and the author of The Sea We Swim In and The Art of Immersion, Frank Rose, then do check them out. But stay here first and listen to today's conversation before you go there. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest. Kelly Rattany. She's the founder of The Power of a Woman's Pleasure, with the purpose of guiding women into healing and empowering their feminine energy to live with more pleasure, more passion, and more prosperity. A world-renowned executive coach, Reiki master, and shamanic healer, Kelly is a fierce advocate of women empowerment worldwide. In our conversation today, Kelly talked to me about embracing ourselves for who we are, regardless of external expectations. We talked about changing the patriarchal attitudes in business and marketing, and we discussed building a culture that allows everyone to bring their best. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Kelly Ratney. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from Phuket in Thailand. I think you might be my first guest from Phuket, uh, executive coach Kelly Ratney, who's the founder of The Power of a Woman's Pleasure and a fierce advocate of women empowerment. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Kelly. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you, Jürgen. It is an absolute honor to be here with you, and I'm super excited for um, this opportunity. Thank you. Lynn Howard, who is our guest on episode 457 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you and she introduced us. So big hello to Lynn. Yes. Hi, Lynn. Thank you. 
Now, your purpose is guiding women into healing and empowering their feminine energy to live with more pleasure, more passion, and more prosperity. So that's lots to unpack there, lots of um, words to kind of define, <laughs> put some definition around. Before we start talking about all those things, though, what's the impact you're making in the world today, Kelly? Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's a great question. What's the impact I'm making in this world is really allowing women to come back to themselves, you know, really allowing them to come back into their magic, to their power and to pleasure. And that sounds, you know, some of you might be thinking like, oh, I have those things. And 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 that's great if you feel like you do. But there's a lot of women that don't. And my role is to really make sure that collectively women are in a place of power are in a place of being able to earn good, large amounts of money and not feel guilty about it. Also being able to allow women to remember that pleasure is their birthright, that we don't have to always be in this struggle. We don't always have to be on a diet. We always don't have to be trying, 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 doing, doing, doing for others, that we're actually allowed to sit back and enjoy what it is that we're working towards. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And um, you know, one of the things you said there, I think, and it, it's probably not, well, I'm sure it's not, I know it's not just women, which is expectations that others have of us or that society have of, of us. And, and certainly there's a more restrictive expectation, shall I say, of, of uh, women in society down the ages that um, perhaps has been um, holding all of us back uh, from achieving what we can. So sort of stepping out of that and say, well, you know, I'm going to do this for me, for my own benefit, for my own pleasure, for my own well-being. And um, I don't care what other people think. Absolutely. Much, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've just described that. Is that what you mean by empowerment or tell us more about empowerment? Because it, it's kind of a word that's used a lot these days. Absolutely. And, and I think, well, yeah, I, I mean, because I can't empower somebody else, you empower yourself, I think. That's um, it. And that's yeah. a really good question, Jurgen, and that was a really good point. So certainly, gentlemen, I don't mean to leave you out of the conversation <laughs> at all. Like you are all, um, we are all being invited to look at our, you know, quote unquote, roles in the world and what mm. is expected of us and what has been expected of us down the ages and forever and ever and ever and so long back that we don't even really understand what it is that these roles mean to us why we have them what do we do with them how do we break out of them and i think you're right empowerment is something that is 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 a very it's a very casually thrown around word and um empowerment to me means that you as an individual recognize that there are areas in your life that you don't feel like you have complete control over that you don't have sovereignty in, that you don't have a good understanding of why you're acting or saying the things that you say. So if you think about the word like just empower, it's really about bringing that power back to yourself. And the first step in that is recognizing where you have, you know, what you would consider, I guess, like power leaks. Like where are you not feeling powerful and where has society taken that power away from you? And you said it really beautifully, Jurgen, and thank you for um, saying that, that there's been a lot of restriction, particularly around women and the things that they need to have power over, you know, their voice, their bodies, their political say, their finances, their ability to own property, their ability to own themselves, right? And so collectively, we're still seeing 
um, sadly, in a lot of nations that that's not real, including like the great America. You know, anytime that you start having political conversations around women's bodies, you're taking power away from her. You know, and on one hand, we want women to be powerful. And we're like, yes, we recognize that this is integral for society to move forward. And again, men, I'm not trying to say that you don't have things that you're working through as well. But Jürgen, you mentioned it beautifully, that if women start being able to live as their full expression of themselves, it benefits everyone. Right? Like no one's going to come into harm if a woman is powerful, if a woman is full of herself, right? If a woman knows herself, no one's, it doesn't know, it doesn't take away from anyone. It, it's, you know, it doesn't mean that you as a man don't get to also be powerful. And so I think that it's really important that we, yes, empowerment is like a cute word and you see it on memes and Instagram and you, you see it here and it's, and it's everywhere and that's wonderful. Um, but when we really, uh, begin the journey of recognizing within ourselves where we don't have power. That's where true empowerment and the embodiment of empowerment comes in. And that's what really allows you, as, particularly as a woman, to start deciding, like, enough is enough. I'm not tolerating this behavior anymore from either myself or from another person or from society. And we are beginning to see a lot of that um, in, in different movements, which is really, really important. The thing that I would say is, you know, when you get to a place where you feel that power, don't forget about the other women around the world that are still needing you to, to keep that movement going, right? So when you're on your own journey, it's important to remember that there are women that are relying on you and not to put pressure on you, but to remind you that you're not in this alone. Hmm. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, what, what you're talking about there is perhaps sharing your journey to inspire others, but also to be open and describe, you know, some of the challenges and the hurdles that are there so that, as you say, you're not in this alone. So people can see, oh, yeah, I'm facing that challenge as well. So it's not just me. And also for the person sharing that challenge, you know, somebody might reach out and say, you know, I can, I can help or I can give some ideas. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I've got your back on that. Yeah. It's sharing. Sharing is important. Sharing allows us to know that we're not alone on this and we're not, we're not, we're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to feel alone. Um, That's, you know, that's something that is, is part of, you know, our, sadly, a lot of our societal structures is we're very insular. We're very individual, which is beautiful. Like it's important to know yourself. It's important to feel like you stand out as an individual, but it's also important to honor and recognize that we are in that individuality. We also have the opportunity to be collective and we have the opportunity to support one another through the things that are imperfect about us, through the things that are maybe scary to share and maybe feel a bit like, should I say that? Can I tell that story? And the answer is yes, you can. Yes, you can. Hmm. Okay. The coming back to like the idea of um, women having essentially an equal place in society as this resource. And I always thought, well, well, actually what, what you said was, you know, we, none of us lose by elevating women and giving women empowerment. Um, and I always thought, well, you know, the, the people who have this patriarchal sense of women should be 
in the home or whatever, you know, whatever role they ascribe to them, and that's what, and they shouldn't be doing anything else. That you know, that everybody loses because there's this, like fifty percent roughly of the population who have been excluded from contributing to sort of major things going on in society, you know, whether that's politics or whether that's um, senior decision makers in in corporate or government institutions, and uh, I, I don't know how you feel. I mean, I think we've made a lot of progress there, but it's still a long way to go. And every now and then I see stuff and I shudder, like an ad, uh, in the marketing sense, you know, the advertisement of, of the guy in the Armani suit standing in front of the Ferrari or the yacht with a, a model, you know, yes. the ideal, the so-called ideal woman shape, attractive woman draped over it. As yes. kind of like that—that's his accessory. You know, the, the Ferrari and the woman's his accessory. Accessory, and this is his measure of success. Yeah, you know, I kind of just. Jurgen, um... <laughs> you're, you're I, first of all, thank you so much for saying that. Um, and it and it's it's it is it's insulting. It's it gets to a mm. point where it's just insulting, you know. And you're absolutely right. Like the patriarchy is still thick and alive and well, even in the most quote unquote, developed countries in the world. And, you know, when you still have pay gaps and you still have laws around women's bodies and you have laws around her reproductive rights and no such laws exist for men, there is currently no industry in the world where women make more money than men. There, There's no industry in the world. There is no um, government that has more women than men on on their their panel um whatever the respective words are for your countries so even though we have come you know a, a fairly decent way since the you know staying at home and cooking turkeys and never contributing to anything other than breakfast lunch and dinner as women we certainly have a long way to go and it it's up to all of us to recognize where we have our own limiting beliefs around women that you might not even realize you have. You may consider yourself an advocate for women. You may consider yourself a feminist. And you may also, in that same breath, have an underlying back narrative, you know, a subconscious narrative that still plays into, well, I don't belong here because I have a vagina. You know, I don't belong here because da, 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 or she doesn't, she isn't able to handle that because she might get too emotional. You know, you can be someone who really is all for women in these positions. And then when you're given the opportunity to invite a woman into the position of say VP or, or, um, you know, somewhere in like a higher tier of leadership, you might real you might all of a sudden have a different narrative happening. Like, well, it, can she do that? Cause you know, she's a mother. So what happens if hmm. her kids get sick and she has to take leave? What happens, if, you know? And so um, there's a lot of um, kind of inexcusable marketing in my opinion that still exists. You're absolutely right with the guy who, you know, he has this suit and he has this watch and he has this car and therefore he's successful. That's like what success hmm. looks like. Meanwhile, he could be popping like antidepressants and no, no um, lack of empathy around depression. That's been a long journey yeah. for me. But, you know, we don't know, like you don't know the whole picture. And then you have a woman who most likely 
is is so um, you know manipulated with with airbrushing and technology and filtering mm. and so on and so forth that that's not even the real representation of her either which is also exactly, yeah. insulting she's just a photo model really that's that, it like you could just yeah. crop pieces of a body to i mean it's like very frankenstein-y if you think about it mm. it's like well we'll just take this person's head and this lady's arms and this waist that's not real but we'll make sure that it sort of looks real in this picture enough so that we solidify this underlying narrative of you know your beauty and your sexuality is the only thing that maybe is a value of a woman if it doesn't fit into the normal construct of what that means then don't bother don't even come to the table you know and then what does it say to men it says to men mm. that like you are only successful if you have these things in place yeah. and then in terms of sexuality, you're only desirable in this particular instance. So the rest of you who are not driving Ferraris, et cetera, et cetera, you don't get this made up girl. Mm. You, you don't get any of this life. You don't get to feel this way, right? Because that's what they're playing on is feelings. It's like yeah. you don't get to and, feel this way. I mean, the whole, thing, the whole thing to me is totally inauthentic. I mean, usually there's, um, yeah, there's, there's a lack of substance behind what they're selling. So they, they're painting this image of, of um you know this is this is the definition of success and if they're talking to me i i mean i'm married so i don't want the woman uh yes. i i'm not interested in the yacht or the ferrari <laughs> and what's the other thing the suit, oh, ma ma the suit. yeah maybe the suit yeah, but then but you, you know, know, I'm with suit like that you're getting, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and i think that that's exactly it it's it's for those of us that have you know maybe been around for a little while and we've done a lot of inner work and we really honor and recognize that that's just an image it's just a mm. it's a snapshot in made up time but i think for younger um people or people that maybe haven't done a lot of inner work yet and they're still kind of exploring the idea of who they are and what do they what is their their place in this world it can be really overwhelming to try mm. and decide and decipher between what's real what's not real what's important what's not important and then how do we not end up in that cycle of self-sabotage and comparison because we're like, well, I'm not that girl. I'm not that girl. I'm not that man. I'm not the car. <laughs> I'm none of the things in this picture. Um, you know, so it's, it's well, really important. Yeah, I know one of the things, one of the things you've kind of talked about and written about is this idea of body image. And if you look into the fitness industry, the well maybe the wellness but certainly the weight loss part of the wellness industry which you know uses this concept of you have to have this ideal body shape you have to have uh, the fitness industry does that too you know you have to have this level of fitness you know ideal body fat and you know capable of running 10 kilometers and whatever it might be in a way that I mean, they're all nice aspirational things to have, but in a way that makes you sort of feel ashamed because, hey, I've got a bit of a spare tire around the gut and I can't run 10 kilometres in a certain amount of time. And yet I pride myself on trying to stay fit and trying to be healthy. So, um, yeah, talk to us a little bit more about this. How, how do we change that narrative from, you know, there's, there's an aspiration there. We want to be healthy. We want to be, we want to be seen as being attractive, but not, um, conforming to a certain standard that somebody else has set, um, which you know may be applicable to say a twenty-one year old, um, but not necessarily the norm for most people. 
That's right. And that's a really good question, Jurgen. And yeah, my body image journey is like full on. It's I'm 39 years old and it's probably only been in the last like six weeks, if I'm being completely honest, that I've just looked at myself and been like, God damn, you're a good catch. Like, I love you, body. Like, I, you know, and it's funny because I, I have a three-month-old baby at home, so there's a lot of stuff that comes with, you know, being a new mother and your body changes. But I think it's really important, first and foremost, to have a really good understanding about, like, what is health? You know, what is health, right? So my suggestion would be to go and, and get, like, a metrics done. Like, there's lots of different labs out there. There's lots of different holistic health practitioners. And so they actually can give you like markers around your organ health, your your body composition, your bone health, your muscle health, your brain health, like get really clear on what health is because health is not just green smoothies and running 10K, right? Those yeah. are all really nice things and we're all grateful for them, but that's not actually health. So get a clear like understanding, pardon me, like an actual scientific understanding about what good health markers are and go and find someone to give that to you so that you have metrics to go off of, right? Like it's hard to know what health is if you don't have any basis of what that looks like. The other thing I would say is stop looking at people's bodies. Like get off of Instagram. I mean, go on Instagram, but follow, you know, get get out of this idea that your body has to look a certain way. Like unfollow women and men that have expectations around their own bodies that don't match the expectations around yours right? Like, and stop looking at bodies and being like, I want that body. So my background is actually also in personal training. I was a personal training trainer for almost a decade. And one of the reasons why I left the fitness industry is because I got really, if I'm being honest, tired of women coming to me saying, I hate my body. I want a body like this. I want a body, like as if you're picking out like a car model, like it's like, <laughs> I want a body like Jennifer Lopez. And it's like, well, you're not Jennifer Lopez. Like you're not, you know, you're not this age. You don't have this blah, 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 blah. Um, so get out of that notion that your body is some kind of accessory. It's not. Your body is given to you to experience the world around you. That's literally its purpose. So the other thing I would say is shift the focus from even being healthy and and having these big, you can have big goals. If you want to run a marathon, that's great. You you do that. But focus just as a baseline, as able body. I want a body that's able to participate in the life that I desire. So what does that look like? If you're someone that really likes to hike, then you want your body to be able to participate in hiking. That's like what you want, right? If you want to travel, you want a body that is able to lift up a suitcase. That's hmm. a necessary thing, right? So Focus on those things and then recognize that your body is going to evolve in your life. It's going to change. It is never going to maintain the same form, the same feelings, like it, and it's not supposed to, right? If you're, if you're not changing and evolving, that probably means that you've passed away, which then you won't have to worry about how you look, yeah. how you feel. The other thing I would say too um, is just ensuring that you decide for yourself what beauty is you decide for yourself and that might mean for you taking a social media detox it might mean that you don't watch tv for a little while it might mean that you spend more time reading and less time in this visual kind of space of taking in information comparing and judging taking in information comparing and judging so i think that 
it's really up to us as individuals to just decide like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to conform to that. I'm not going to, to be in that space. And, but you have to give yourself the time to sort of heal from those images. So, you know, like this, our phones are great. Our Instagram is great. All these things are great and they're wonderful and they're great tools for communication. They're great tools for inspiration, but making sure that you understand that the things that you're seeing you know, if we're talking about like a fitness model or a personal trainer, first of all, we don't all have the same 24 hours in a day, mm -hmm. right? Some of us have private chefs. Some of us have personal trainers. Some of us have um, different trauma stories that affect our physical bodies. Some of us have, you know, different living circumstances, different access to different foods, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So like you looking at this person in a snapshot in time or a video, you don't know the whole backstory about every single thing that that person is doing or not doing in order to get to that space. You're just seeing a quick moment in time, which more often than not, I have to be honest with you, is very inaccurate. Right? Mm, it's very right. inaccurate as to their reality. Inco incomplete, definitely. Yes. And, yeah. yeah, out of out of context. Incomplete. Often. I like that. Incomplete. Like when I was at, you know, when I had. Um, what people would consider like my perfect body, you know, when I was a personal trainer and I had like 16% body fat and I was, I, I could run, I could lift, I could do all the things. Like I would go home at the end of the day and count out six blueberries. Like how miserable <laughs> is that? Yeah. Like I remember that, like going home after a full day of training people, training myself and then like counting out one, like six blueberries. Cause that's what I was allowed to have. You know, and I look back at that and I just think like, oh my goodness, you should have just eaten the whole pint. Like, you just enjoy the blueberries. That's what I would have said to myself. But anyway, um, that's another story for another time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things, uh, so I'm a real keen cyclist, as my regular listeners will know, and I do, I do pursue cycling really intensely. So um, sometimes that means 200 kilometer ride in a day, which puts a lot of strain on the body and I'm probably not in, in good enough shape to do that at the moment, but I'm working my way up there again. But what I what I often say to people is, uh, you know, when they ask me, well, why do you cycle so much? I say, well, first of all, I really enjoy it. Yes. And secondly, if I'm cycling lots of kilometres every day, I can eat what I want. Exactly, <laughs> and, exactly. And because you enjoy it too, that's really important. When I will tell you just from experience as a personal trainer, when you are going into exercise of any kind and you're doing it from a place of punishment, hmm. all of the things that you want to see change in your body, it's never going to happen. Yeah, and sort of resistance. Yes, right? the, bo yeah. the body itself may change. The body itself may change, but your perception of the body will not change. So it won't matter. You know, I remember women, and they'll, you know, the idea is like, well, I'll just be happy when. I'll be happy when I lose the two kilos or the five pounds or whatever the metric is. I'll be happy when I'll love my body then. And then those things happen. And then certainly like they, the love is the love still isn't there. Right. So it's a deeper mm -hmm. journey. So when you're doing something that you really, really love, your body responds in a very different way. Also your, 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 your hormonal chemistry responds in a very, very different way. It's a very different experience doing something that you love and seeing a benefit from it. than showing up at the gym every single morning at six o'clock in the morning for Barry's boot camp. You know, Barry. Yeah. Well, no offense to Barry. I don't know who you are. Actually, I don't even know if that's a thing. But you know, because you had like pizza and wine the night before, it's a very, very different energetic experience, and your body actually responds very differently. And also, when you put yourself 
under those sort of strains and you know have those guilt trips well, i i know i've done this i find that my escape from that punishment or from that unpleasantness is often to binge eat yes. and sort of undo you know if you're working really hard go to the gym punish yourself work really hard and then you undo all the all the benefit that you've gotten from from that pain to um put on more weight because you're binge eating yes it's it's a very interesting cycle about things that we deny ourselves actually end up being things that we we have a um, tendency to have an unhealthy relationship with right so it's like the things that we deny ourselves we create this sort of storyline that this thing is so off limits and we want to pre we want to participate in it and then we overdo it or we underdo it you know so it's it's really interesting and i i think that People use the word balance far. I don't really love the word balance. I think it's more about harmony. And it's like coming into harmony with your life, coming into harmony with what you expect of yourself, what your expectations of your, you know, your physical self, your mental self, your emotional self, and just allowing things to, to be. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to eat things that your body really, really loves. And then other times you're not going to, and it's just like, whatever, tomorrow you're just going to wake up and you have an opportunity to do something different if you want to. You know, and also, too, I think um, most people are quite aware that there's so such thing as like emotional eating or emotional under eating. But it really is in your benefit to start really recognizing what are the what are the actual triggers of those things. And they might not be very obvious. Right. They're, they might not be super obvious. So taking some time when you start feeling like, oh, I feel guilty about this. And it's like, well, why do I feel guilty about this? What is the fear that I have? And then. More often than not, I'll be honest with you, it comes down to the fear of rejection. Yeah. Right? It's like if we go all the way, if we follow it long enough, that's really where it comes down to. Yeah, that's right. That's, uh, and this is what a lot of those advertisements that we talked about earlier play on, right? Because, yeah. okay, I, I, I don't measure up to that level of success, so you know, I'll be rejected. That's it. Um, hmm. Okay, well... Could, Circling back to the this idea of um, women's role in society and um, you know the number of women in senior levels in government and in industry and other influential bodies, how can we as like as a society, not just men who hold the hold the reins of power in some sense, how can we shift that? Not just from a point of view of saying, okay, we need to get to 50-50. Um, so we'll have, um, what's it called? The uh, affirmative action, I think, was one of the terms that was used. So if you know, if a woman applies for the same job as a man, the woman gets the job because we're trying to correct past injustices, yes. um, which I think is probably doing a disservice to the woman right. as well. Um, but, yeah, how can we change the mindset so that it's kind of like woman man doesn't really matter it's who's the right person for this job right now that's it um that's a really good question and it's uh you know yes because we don't we're, we're i think it's really important to recognize that i'm i'm speaking for myself i don't know if i'm speaking for all women but i i'm speaking for myself i don't want the position or the right just because I'm a woman. I don't want you to feel bad for me. You know, I don't want you to feel sorry for me or any of those things. So I think it's really up to women to recognize that 
even though you yourself may feel very capable, you yourself may feel very confident, it's important that you're able to communicate that, not just with your voice, but with your presence, with your energy, so that when you are applying for things, when you're in an interview, when you're, when you're you know, running for office and you're campaigning, your actions and your energy and your words are all in alignment, right? Because it's one thing to receive a resume and, you know, someone is looking over the resume and the qualifications, you know, it's Bob's resume and Jane's resume and all the qualifications are the same. And so they get brought in for an interview. But if Jane shows up in a state of apology, like she's apologizing for talking about how good she is at her job, or she's apologizing for having children, or she's apologizing for being two minutes late, and Bob breezes in and Bob's five minutes late, and he says something like, thanks for waiting for me, traffic was a nightmare, and Jane sails in and she's one minute late, and she's like, I'm so sorry, like, I, you know, I couldn't find parking, and, and then it's a very different energy. And actually, I read an article on LinkedIn, and I, I, maybe it was Forbes magazine that, that had published it, and it was about um, a particular instance where um, a manager was hiring, and he asked the female candidate to tell him what it was that she was really, really great at. And she had a really hard time vocalizing that, even though she's completely qualified, she's had years of experience, you know, la, 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 la. This isn't something that's completely out of her league. but she has a hard time vocalizing it, right? And it's also, um, there was an interesting statistic done, and I'm not even going to try with the numbers, everyone. Like, we're not going to try with the numbers. But it was something, you know, it was really, really low. Like, the amount of women that apply for jobs that they don't see themselves as being qualified for is almost half of the amount of men that apply for jobs Mm. that they're not qualified for, right? So it's this idea that we still feel as women, that we have to be perfect, like perfect, perfect, perfect in order to be seen, in order to be accepted, in order to get those raises, to get those positions, to be in a place of power. And that's, that's simply not true. Perfection and the patriarchy go hand in hand. So as a woman, you, your default to safety and survival has been perfection, right? Be the perfect wife, be the perfect woman, look perfect, say the perfect things, that's going to keep you safe, then you're a good wife candidate, you know what I mean, you're a good marital material. And depending on your respective country, that storyline might not be that far off, right? You know, in Canada, it's like 1974, like women could finally have their own credit card. Like in 1974, this isn't that long ago. This is my mother. (laughs) When my mother and father were first married, my mom couldn't get a credit card without my dad co-signing, even though my mother was fully employed. Right? Like, so, you know, and depending on, you know, your state or your province or, or the country that you're in, you might be, it might just be one generation off or in your own generation that you as a woman were allowed to own property. That there was no, you know, that you could like own something, that you could borrow money, that you could have a say, that you could vote, right? So when we're thinking about equality, we're not talking about like 50-50. It's just, it's like we also, we want equal opportunity, equal pay, obviously, equal access to healthcare and those kinds of privileges, right? Equal access to support for ourselves professionally and personally. And then we also, though, as women have to recognize that, like, we may still be apologizing for being a woman, 
we might still be apologizing for something that happened to us that we don't even know we're apologizing for. So when we show up in situations, whether it's a professional interview or a date or friendship or even in the way that we care for ourselves, there might be a subconscious story playing, well, I'm not really supposed to be here. I don't really deserve this. You know, I remember working with a very, very high level real estate agent um, in um, Vancouver, Canada, and she was in well into seven figures and she still would get mild anxiety when she was meeting with the board of directors. And she sometimes said to me, she was like, sometimes I just feel grateful that I'm allowed to be there. Even though this woman is very successful, she's from the outside looking in very powerful, very confident, has it all going for her. And she still sometimes feels like she's just glad she's allowed to sit down at the table with the rest of them. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. Because, I mean, on the one hand, it's, I think, we all of us um, as people undervalue gratitude and take the time to celebrate what we've achieved and what we've done um, at the same time to then attribute it to like the implication there is she attributed it to some external influences that she was there you know maybe, maybe somebody promoted her beyond or, or promoted her because she was a woman or she was lucky she was in the right place at the right time yes. or something like that and so you know the, the the level of gratitude goes goes off course because you know the gratitude yes I'm, it's wonderful to be here but also to celebrate that hey i've done a whole lot of things to yes, that she deserves achieve. to be there yeah that she's yeah. worthy of being there just like everybody else hmm. All right. Well, one of the other things um, that's worth exploring is a big topic. I know you, know, you talked earlier, and I know I've you know I put my hand up and say you know when I was younger and in the corporate world, I've participated in these conversations of you know here's here's a candidate who's a young woman in her late twenties, early thirties, prime childbearing age. What happens if she gets pregnant and takes a year yes. off. Will she? Will she even come back? Yeah, exactly. So, one of the questions that I think is worth exploring is how do we change that? Change it from the point of view that it's acceptable for men to take a much more active role in childcare and raising children in their family to the point where men get time off to be fathers, to be not stay-home fathers, but, you know, time-at-home fathers. Yes. And and so then then it's like we have women in the workforce and they get time off to be at-home mothers in that time. So it basically is the same thing. So then there's no issue. I mean, yes, the woman has to give birth and there's probably... A period of time where she needs to recuperate from that. Very much uh, so. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the the guys might um, take more risk when they're out bushwalking or riding their bikes. So yes. they'll need time to recuperate from their accidents. Yes, very much. So I think this is a great question, Jurgen, and I really appreciate your honesty in saying that you, at some point in time, also had this thought of like, hmm. "Well, we're going to hire this woman. 
we're going to spend these man hours, man hours, my goodness, these hours. Hello. See, yeah. guys, I like, I'm a fierce feminist and I just said man hours. So like be easy with yourselves <laughs> out there. So, you know, you're going to spend this time, this money to train this individual and then they're, they might leave and they might not mm. come back. And if she comes back, is she going to be okay? Because, you know, we all know mommy brain is a thing. That's a real thing. <laughs> Everyone, that is not a made up term. That is a legitimate real thing for all all of us who have had children who are caring for children, however that came to you, you are, your brain is like next level somewhere else sometimes. Um, so I think it's really important to recognize that like certain countries are already doing that. Canada offers paternity leave in some circumstances, depending on the company that you work for. So that's something that, you know, all men have an opportunity to advocate for um, when they are speaking to their employers, right? If you don't ask, you don't know. And if you don't ask, um, and, then, and if enough people don't ask, the company not, might not see it as being important. It is integral. It is integral for parents, however your children come into this world, whether they're adopted or, or um, you know, IVF or natural birth or da 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 however that comes, it's integral for you to have an opportunity to be at home to witness the miracle that just occurred for you, you know? And we really take, I have to say, like Western... Western medicine and, and kind of this Western culture of go, 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 do, do, do has really taken away the miracle that is the birth of a child and pregnancy. It's like, it's just a big inconvenience, you know, it's a big blippity inconvenience, um, you know, to, to you, to corporations, to the world. Like it's just, you just suddenly become very inconvenient, right? You're kind of like, Oh, what do we do with this person now? Like, what is, what is she going to be like? What is her role? So, I think that it's important to recognize that not all, not all countries offer um, maternity leave. Certainly not all countries offer paternity leave. Um, so it's up to you as individuals to, to really advocate for that in your respective countries and companies. It's also important to understand that your role as father is no less sacred than the role of mother. Right. It's not any less important. It's not any less miraculous. It's not any less valuable because you didn't carry the child and give birth. Right. Fathers are integral to their children, whatever that looks like. And um, it's also important that you as an individual, man or woman, whichever, wherever you are, it recognizes any old stories that you have about children and child care and whose job that is. Right. Like whose job is it to change diapers? Whose job is it to do this? And if women feel financially supported by the companies that they're working for, and if women are getting paid dollar for dollar, the same as men, their transition into motherhood and then possibly back into the workforce is much easier. Right. And same with the father. Like if, if we're not relying solely on the, the husband or the man in the relationship for financial support. And we have our own financial support and we feel that from our, our respective um, positions, then we are less likely to, to, you know, kind of have this weird wobble and our partner, husband, man, whomever, whatever that looks like for you also feels less pressure to be the provider. Right. Because if there is no paid leave, if there is no paid support, then yes, if you are, Someone that thinking about taking a month off of work or two months or a year puts a lot of financial strain on you, then of course you're not going to be able to do it. And if you do decide to do it anyway, the financial stress that now lives amongst you and your family is, is not worth the, the, like 
bad juju, if that makes sense, that it creates in your household. So I think recognizing that um, women are no less valuable at different phases of their lives, right? They, they're not, they're not expenses. They're not, um, we're not disposable just because we become pregnant. We're not disposable when we turn 40 or when we get wrinkles or when our, you know, when our boobs aren't up here anymore, like we're not, we're not disposable assets. If anything, if you create a culture in your company, um, you know, in your respective workforces, that honors and recognizes the transitions of everyone's lives, that everyone isn't going to stay at 21 years old forever, Hmm. right? That we are going to change. If you create a culture that supports and embodies that, then you're going to have employees and you're going to have teammates that strive to give their best to you while also giving their best to themselves. And also, can we just like point out that if you have a company and you hire women, and you do not give them access to affordable childcare or easy ways for them to integrate motherhood into their profession, then you're the one that's losing out. They'll find something else. They'll go and create something. They'll create their own business so that they can be with their children. They're not going to any longer allow themselves to have to choose between one or the other. And I think that that's gonna be, I'm hoping that for any of you listening that have companies that employ women, I'm hoping that you take that to heart and you really honor and recognize that like we are incredible. Women are incredible. Mothers are incredible. And, but if you make us choose between being able to be a loving, honoring mother for ourselves and for our children or coming to work for you, getting paid 67 seven cents on the dollar that my co-partner man makes, I'm going to choose my children and I'm going to make my own yeah. company. So you're going to lose me. So get into the mindset that when women are at the table, they want to be able to bring them whole, their whole selves with them. They don't want to have to pick and choose. So if you create a culture and an environment that is friendly for children to be in the workspace, I don't mean like in your office on your photocopier, like answering your phone, transferring calls for you. But if you created a space that people could bring their children, they were going to be cared for. If you allowed women more hybrid work experiences, which I think has been a great thing with COVID, uh, in some senses, not all senses, then you're more likely to 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 be able to keep those women. Um, and I think if you know COVID has taught us a lot, but it you know when you have <clears throat> millions of women leaving the workforce because they don't have childcare at home, they don't have access to support from their companies to say, hey, you know what? Don't worry about it. Bring your kid on Zoom. Don't worry about it. Turn your camera off. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like give give people the option to. Yeah to still participate in their profession that they probably love and also participate in their families that yeah. they also love. Yeah, I think it's, it shouldn't have to be either or, should it? I agree. And I think, I think there's, a, there's quite a few well-known companies now that are taking that kind of progressive approach. And certainly you mentioned you know, COVID and we've been kind of doing remote working in many ways i think one of the good things if you could say you know there's there's some good come out of covid and the lockdowns is that people have come to embrace this idea of remote working a lot more and remote working as an option to enable those women who have chosen to be full-time at home with their children because they haven't seen the possibility of finding a career or, or employment that gives them 
um, satisfaction and fulfillment and and pay that that they you know feel comfortable with at the same time allowing them to spend the time that they want to spend being the mother dedicated to their child for them them and for themselves and i think this idea of flexible working and and you know working from home for a large part has opened up that possibility and i see you know there's i think there's a large untapped uh, resource there of mothers who probably even even despite all the issues that are around and if they were resolved still wouldn't want to go working full time yes. and and so this becomes an option for them to say well i can work 2 hours in the middle of the day while my child is asleep or or maybe 4 hours while my older child is at school um, and I can do these things and I can do them remotely. I don't have to spend a lot of time traveling. Um, I, you know, contribute to the expertise. And um, I think that that hopefully will kind of contribute to this change in mindset. Yes, I think that there's some really important points that you tapped on there. So, yes, COVID is definitely... <laughs> COVID is definitely a thing, and it certainly changed the way that a lot of us had to operate professionally. So one of the challenges, though, for women working from home is that we have this, like, um, you know, it's called unpaid, it's like invisible work, right? It's the invisible work that women do within their homes. So the challenge then becomes is, like, all of a sudden you're working from home, your children are at home because schools are closed, daycare centers are closed, or perhaps you're, you know, even if those places maybe have opened, but you're still a bit fearful, you know, maybe your child has mm. autoimmune disorder or whatever, whatever, or freaks out every time you put a mask on their face. Like these are all realities and you are the one who has to deal with those. So I think it's really important to recognize that there was a lot of women that actually had to step away from their positions completely because mm. companies didn't allow them the flexibility of saying, you know what, you don't need to be on this meeting. This isn't important for you. So you know what? Take, don't worry about it. We'll send it to you in an email. You can watch the recording. Instead, you know, a lot of companies are asking these women to still show up for these meetings that are three hours long. Their kids are running like haywire in the background. Do you know what I mean? Because they're not used to being at home with, and everyone's at home and everyone's squirrely. Um, you know, so it's important to recognize, I think, that women do carry this, this, this load of like household responsibility, even if you have help. Right. You're still more than likely the one who's making decisions around school activities, vaccine appointments, doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, eye doctor's appointments, blah, 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 picking up the dry cleaning, blah, 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 all these things that do fall on her shoulders. So then all of a sudden being invited to work from home, in theory, sounds really great. But for a lot of women, going to work is their ability to like get out into the world and not be, be you know, free of that for a while. So I think that in order for, um, you know, if companies adopt a model where they give people the opportunity to say, decide to work from home, I think something that would be really amazing is offering some sort of subsidy so that that woman can hire help during that time of the day. So even if it's having someone come in for two hours to be with her children while they sleep, because you know what, sleeping children wake up. And sometimes people like, have a very inopportune moments, like in the middle of a yeah. presentation or in the middle of like a sales and, and, or, and all usually, of a sudden, usually like, they're screaming. Yeah, like, my, you know, my daughter's at school, but I will tell you right now, if she was home, she'd be like, there would have been someone banging on this glass door. She would have been like, mama, like, la, 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 and which did happen a lot. And we have like, I have helper help. 
Do you know what I mean? But mm. it's important to give women the grace and the opportunity to really succeed. And in order to do that, you have to give support in all areas of her life. You can't just be like, oh, great, you can work from home. Wonderful. Good luck. Mm -hmm. There has to be some kind of conversation about like, well, do you have support at home for those working hours? Are your children at school full time? What can we do to support you? Say if your child is sick and, and we have a big, you know, maybe we have an international sales call and your child is now at home sick. What are some things that we can do to ensure that you're still able to participate? You know, perhaps it's a recording. Maybe we allow you to turn the camera off. You know, I've been working with women throughout this pandemic and some people it's mandatory that their camera is on during their Zoom calls. And it's like, you know what, if I have, you know, what happens if my child is here sick? Do I, do I need to have the camera on while she's crying and she's, you know, got a snotty nose and da 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 da, yeah. da Or is it okay if I turn my camera off? So although, yes, working from home opens a ton of opportunities for women, we still have to remember that, like, she works in her home. Right. So it's not just that she's like now getting to work on her business from home, but she's also working on her family and her home within her home. So what is available for her in terms of support so that she can do that effectively and feel like she's part of a team still feel like she belongs, feels like she matters. Um, and then also, how do we mitigate with, you know, um, kind of favoritism for people who are choosing to go to the office? And they're in face-to-face -face contact with their mm. versus people who are still working remotely, you know, and, and they're not in that same, you know, yeah. just realm of casual conversation. So it's, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. The opportunities are available um, as long as the support is there for the women to, yeah. to participate. Yeah, there's a lot of things to consider. And I think it sort of fundamentally comes back to really the mindset of how do we, I mean, to me, it's, a lot, of, a lot of companies talk about our people are our most valuable asset, but they don't actually act that way. If you really embrace that philosophy and then listen to the people and say, okay, what, what are the issues you're facing? And you've just outlined a lot there that um, you know comes into play if you take this work from home opportunity and say, well, that's that's a possible option for women that want to spend more time with their family, but then there's all these other things that come into it. And I think the other one you mentioned at the end there is a really important one. Um, those people that then have more face-to-face, -face, even, even if it's not conscious, they're the ones that are in your face. So the, the senior people making the decision, oh, we see that person that's all it. the time around here, whereas the other, oh, that's the other... That's it. on Zoom, yeah. <laughs> and it's just those casual things that occur, those transactions that occur in casual conversation. It's like, oh, did I, you know, you're like at the, I always use the water cooler. I don't even know if offices yeah. have water coolers anymore, but <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been in an office space. Yeah. But, you know, you're like around the water cooler. And it's like, oh, did I mention that I'm playing golf with so-and-so? And it's like, oh, how so-and-so? Oh, I, I'll mention you. And then, you know, uh, it's those sort of like, hmm. oh, I'm just going out for a quick drink with, you know, Joanne from wherever. And it's like, oh, I'll, I'll sure I'll join you. And whereas on Zoom, that there is not that same, um, same sort of feeling of, um, you know, intimacy and, and kind of like friendship, right? It's very scheduled. It's very, you're not just going to leave your Zoom on all day. And just, you know, when you walk by your computer, it's like, oh, hey, Joe. Oh, hey, like, Darnell, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're, you're in a, in a meeting, 
that's it. You're in mm. communication. That's it. Once the communication is done, it's kind of it's kind of done. Mm. Yes, good point. Well, I mean, we. I'm just looking at the clock here and thinking that I don't think we'll solve the world's problems. We will not. Today on this we will not solve the world's problems, but I think that we yeah. have a good start. Yeah, we've we've had a good go at um, discussing some of the issues, and I really appreciate that. Now, I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. It's yes. The same same five questions I ask every guest. It's designed to help our audience, who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field, to get some tips from your experience and. I always say that um, I want the listener to take away something from what you tell us here that will inspire them to go and take some action today as a result to do something awesome. Thank you. So you all set? All set. Yeah. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Recognize that nothing is permanent. Nothing is permanent. Whatever it is that you're doing right now may not be what you're doing in six months from now. So. Allow yourself to naturally evolve. Allow your business to naturally evolve. And don't, it's easier said than done, but don't get too hung up on the things that have worked in the past, thinking that those are going to be the things that work for you in the future. Mm, yeah, I love that. I, um, there's a couple of things that reminds me of. One, one is, um, and I can't remember now who told me this, but I, I remembered the saying, and it was that, and no is just for today. Yes. So we were talking about rejection. So let's say you, you suggest an idea to somebody and they say, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, and to sort of recognize that's just not permanent either. No, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, nothing, the, exactly. If you hear a no, that no might turn into a yes down the road. You know, that mm. same person might circle back to you years later and say, oh, I remember this conversation we had. And are you still involved in X, Y, Z or whatever it is? So um, mm. it's not to be pushy, like don't become pushy, but just allowing no. people to come into your your business and move out of your business in the way that suits them. It's not about you. Mm. Exactly. And the other one I, I recalled, and this was in response to somebody who'd gone through some trauma and was rebuilding their life and their business as a result. And, and they said, oh, um, yeah, nothing lasts forever or something like that. And um, I said, well, we could actually use that on both sides of that equation. So if you're really, you know, if you're having a bad day or you're going through a rough patch, nothing lasts forever is kind of a good way to reframe that and say, well, yes. you know, I'm going to come out of this stronger and things will be better tomorrow. The other way to look at it, of course, is saying, well, you know, I'm on top of the world today. Everything is wonderful. That won't last forever either. So enjoy it and be grateful. Yes, I think that's really important to honor and recognize that you're, you're cyclical. Like our businesses are cyclical. We as people are cyclical. We're not designed for this like trajectory to success of, of a linear, like a straight line climbing up. And and we all see the cute memes on Instagram and we see them, you know, we see, and it's like the iceberg and the, the swirly lines yes. everywhere. And that's our life to success. But it's, it's really about just allowing to know that like nothing is forever. And that's both, it's, it's actually only good because even things that are really, really good could actually get better. You don't know yeah. if that's the best that you've ever experienced. You're on top of the world. Like what happens if you could be on top of the world plus one tomorrow? 
or plus 10, like what happens if you're on top of the universe? You know, what happens if you are the universe, right? Like, so even when things are really, really good, there's always a way that they can be better. Like truly that you can feel better. You can be more joyful. You can be more, um, having more fun. Like those are all things that are available to you. So yeah, when things suck and you feel like you're in the trenches and you're like drowning in this mud, things can always get better from there, but also things can always get better from a good space too. So the fact that nothing is forever, nothing is permanent is, is good all around. Mm, Yeah. Love it. All right. Now what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Slow down, slow down. Um, You know, I think that all of us get stuck prescribing to the patriarchal model of success, which is go, 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 80-hour work weeks, go to the gym, do this, be this, go this, da, 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 say yes, say yes, do, 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 you know, and then we burn out and we, we, we end up with, you know, all kinds of things like anxiety and depression and disconnection and, and low libido and blah, 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 blah. Um, and so I think in order to stay in a space of innovation and creativity and impact, we actually have to slow down. We have to stop doing so many things that don't actually matter to us. They're the perception of things that matter to other people. You know, it's our idea that this is what we're supposed to do. I should, you know, that word should, like mm. I should be doing, I should do, 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 do. If you allow yourself to, um, you know, break up with that word, if you will, and allow yourself to slow down into things that you really, really like doing, it gives you space and like an energetic bandwidth to be in a more creative space, to be more impactful, to be more innovative. If you're always going and going and going and going, and you're running on really, really empty energy, um, you eventually will hit a wall where you're not creating anymore. You're not innovating. You're not inspiring anyone because now you're just, you're, you know, you're sort of frazzled. So I think slowing down, saying no to things, you know, getting comfortable with the word no without an apology, you know, like don't apologize after you say the word no, don't make excuses for your no. Um, and the, the more things you kind of say no to and you let off your plate, the more space you have to welcome new things in. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. And And recently I've had people say no to me for various things, but they've done it in a really elegant way. And I say, well, that's, it's honest, elegant. It's not with an apology, but it's basically right now I don't have the bandwidth to do this. That's exactly it. I know. Something along those lines. Yeah, that's lovely. I'm glad that you're having that experience because you can say no in a way that honors both parties. It's not about being awful or unkind. It's just, mm. it's, being integral yeah yeah and i've always found that when you know when i make that conscious decision that i need to focus more tightly um usually there's something that's happened that's triggered it and it's kind of i hit that barrier of recognizing that hey if i keep doing this i'm going to burn out or, or i'm not enjoying some things here so let's ditch some stuff and every time i focus really narrowly after those sort of episodes i I have a massive growth spurt, so yes. it's a good exercise. It is. It's a beautiful exercise just to say like, okay, I'm not going to do all these things right now. I'm not going to take all of this so seriously right now. I'm going to go for a bike ride or I'm going to go for lunch or I'm going to go have a dance party or I'm going to whatever. I'm going to let go of these like should tasks. And then because we do as, as 
as business owners, as founders, as CEOs, um, as innovators, you you have obligations to yourself. You have obligations to your business, your clients, your audience, whatever that looks like for you. And there are tasks that need to get done, but it's really hard to do the tasks that are really important if you have all these other unimportant things that are piling up around you. So the sooner you kind of let those things go, and then you do, you have that ability to get really clearly focused into something that is a great benefit for you, for your company, for your finances, for your your morale, for all of it, then those things happen in a much more beautiful way rather than kind of having to pull at them and, and trudge through them. Hmm. All right. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Oh, goodness. Um, my intuition. That sounds super corny, <laughs> but in all honesty, um, that's taken a lot of years. You know, my, my favorite resource would be my intuition and my community. Um, I, you know, I rely heavily, heavily on my community, both uh, my paid team. Um, so I, you know, I have a team of people supporting me, like on payroll, which is I rely on them very, very much. And also my community of other women that are, you know, also in their own businesses, you know, whatever that looks like for them and just places that you can celebrate. Right. And you can kind of you can brag, you know, because it's it's not everywhere that you can do that without people feeling a bit weird. You know, I think for women, I don't know, I'm not uh, men. Maybe you can chime in on this and <laughs> let us know. But, um, you know, if you're comfortable bragging, but for women, it's such a foreign thing to brag about financial wins, to brag about things that we've done for ourselves, things that we've bought, um, you know. And and so being in a space where I can do that and I can allow other women to do that you know in my friends and my in my professional circles that's really important so yeah my resources are my intuition and then my my community both my paid team and the women that i network with regularly hmm. yeah i love that um yeah the the bragging thing is an interesting one because i'm i'm a natural introvert and i think introverts don't do bragging well yes. <laughs> um, and I've I've been in a community that my business coach ran, and and most of the people in that community. So there were women business owners in that community, but also male business owners. And I don't think there was anybody there that was real comfortable bragging or boasting or or even talking about their successes in their own voice. And mm. she would start every meeting with um, everybody's got to write up their awesome. I love that. The last meeting. Yeah. And some people really struggled with this. Um, you know, but when we then got down to, okay, what are some of the issues? What are some of the challenges we're facing? Then everybody's like screaming and yes. and yeah, jumping in. Whereas, yeah, the celebrating. So the idea of the awesome was more about celebrating self and then allowing, like if I then brought something and said, well, I've you know, got this thing that's gone really well that I've done to allow everyone else to kind of celebrate with me. And That's exactly it. And it gives other people permission to celebrate themselves because they're like, mm. oh, that's something that's worth celebrating. Well, I, because sometimes we think about celebrations as they have to be these, you know, massive, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, I had my first six figure month. And, and of course, like everyone's like, obviously, this is a celebration, you know, and they're clapping and sure. But it could be something as like, oh my God, I managed to like figure out my lead magnet. I figured out my lead magnet, you know, or whatever it is. And, mm. and I think too, to get a little bit like wooey on you, 
the more comfortable we are talking about the things that we're really, really good at, the more the universe is going to give us things that we really, really like to have. Right. So if we get comfortable celebrating like a, a 35K launch or a 10,000 you know, dollar week or our very first client, whatever, like wherever you are in your respective tier of business, the universe is like, oh, they like this. Oh, okay. Let's like make sure that they have more of this because they like it so much. And they're letting us know loud and proud that this is okay. Right. The universe loves consent. Dear, dear everyone, the universe loves consent. So if you give them, um, you know, the guidance around what it is that you're excited about, you'll find that you're going to experience more of those things. Hmm. All right. Um, I did want to ask you, intuition is an interesting one. How do you know, or how do you build trust in your intuition so that you have the confidence to say, well, that feeling that's just come up, mm. you know, is probably intuition. Yes. I'm going to trust that. You know, that feeling that's just come up says maybe be careful about that or maybe it says, wow, that's amazing, jump in feet first. How do you develop a trust in that? Because I often have have those feelings and then I find myself um, being hesitant on the ones that often turn out to be really good where I should have jumped and jumping at the ones where I should have perhaps hesitated. Yeah. Thought so, more carefully about it. That's a really, really good question. So I think first we all need to recognize that there are multi-billion dollar industries that tell you you don't know what to do. Right? <laughs> like everything from the, the diet industry, you don't know how to eat, the exercise industry, you don't know how to move your body. Like and you actually when you're a baby and when you're a child, you know how to do all of those things. Like you have hunger cues, you have movement cues. Um, you you make decisions based on the information that's just right in front of you. You don't have any other information, right? So I think it's important to recognize we're really in a state of like information overload. We have way, we are being given way too much information about way too many things. Some of it's not relevant to us at all, but we still have it, right? So we're like taking all this information and taking all this information. In. The other thing is, is when we're making decisions, you're either making a decision that's going to move you closer to a state of love or further away from a state of love. And we're not talking about love as in like Cinderella fairy tale. Like we're talking about just like the love of yourself, the love that the universe has for you and the love of your like human experience. So we have fear-based decisions and we have love-based decisions. So when you get that little, you know, like intuitive download and you kind of have this moment where you're like, mm, I don't know, always take a moment to see how you feel in your body Right. Most of us are not really super connected to our bodies. We're like, we spend a lot of time up into our, sorry, I keep forgetting that we're not on video, video, like, and so I keep making motions, like, as if you can see me, podcast listeners, you cannot see me touching my head. I'm referring to my head. We are spending a lot of time in our heads, making decisions from that place. And so we don't make a lot of decisions into our bodies. And so that feels super weird at first because most of us don't feel anything in our bodies, usually except for anxiety. That's like the most common feeling that most of us feel in our bodies, that kind of racing heart, um, lack of breath. So when you have this little intuitive um, download, if you will, see if you can feel what that feels like in your body. Does your breathing change all of a sudden? You know, does your breathing quicken? Does it slow down? Can you feel it in your belly? Do you get suddenly like a hip ache or a back ache? And then you get to decide which of those feelings feels good. 
I mean, no one is going to say that anxiety feels good, right? So all of a sudden, if you have a little bit of a moment of a download of intuition and you slow down your breathing, I would say that that's a really good sign, right? It means that your body is in a state of relax. Like all of a sudden something is coming to you that is allowing you to relax, whatever that decision is. The other thing I would recognize is that we more often than not make decisions based out of fear, right? It's like fear of what other people will think, fear of ourselves, fear of what happens if. And so when we're making decisions in that state, we're never going to make a decision that really honors us. We're going to be making a decision that honors like a society's storyline about what we should be doing. And so if you think about it, it's like, who am I making this decision for? Who am I going to act like, am I acting in accordance with me? And a lot of times we don't really know what that means because we actually don't really know what we want, right? We're not really that attuned to what we want because as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Jurgen, we have the image of the guy with the new suit with the Ferrari and the girl and the watch. And so we're very accustomed to believing that that's what we're supposed to want, but that's not the want and desire for every single person. So it's important that you Find time for yourself. And this can look like meditation in the traditional sense of sitting, you know, in silence or or working with mantras. But it can also be walking. It can also be dancing. It can also be, you know, dressing in a way that makes you feel whole and and fabulous. And that all sounds not very spiritual, but in all actuality, everything is an opportunity to be in touch with ourselves if we set the intention for that. But when we're talking about intuition, like into, into, do you know what I mean? We are talking about coming back into ourselves. So finding ways that you can create ritual or a routine that allows you to come back into yourself, back into your body and out of your head in these like thinking thoughts and these doing thoughts, that actually allows you to be more in a state of openness for intuition to, to be present with you. and then you actually listen to it, right? Because you're right, we get these these things where it's like, ooh, I don't know about that. And then we do them anyway, because somewhere probably we feel like we should be doing it, hmm. right? And where is that fear of missing out right now? Like, you know, crypto yeah, is very like people yeah. are talking about crypto. And so suddenly people are like, oh, I don't want to miss out. So you know, maybe, they're, maybe they're not in a position where, where crypto is something that they need to participate in, but they're doing it anyway. And then it doesn't work out the, the way that they wanted it to, right? So you're not going to miss out on anything that is destined for you. That's something to remember. So you're not going to miss out on anything that's destined for you. The only thing that will perhaps cause a delay in the things that are destined for you is if you're too busy in your head, you're thinking too much, you're doing too many things, you haven't learned the art of saying no, you haven't learned how to set boundaries. And so you're just sort of swarmed with societies expectations, cultural expectations, family expectations, expectations that are yours, but not really yours. Um, and when you're in that state of being too, you know, weighted down, it's really, really hard to listen to yourself. So clear, you know, clear the deck, commit to making time for yourself. So whether that's in a traditional seated meditation, um, or, you know, walking out in nature or dancing or, or just being in a state of, 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 of joy, um, you know, that's when you're going to allow those messages to come through and then you'll be actually able to act on them. Excellent. All right. Well, um, I will bear that in mind and let me know how it goes. Yeah. All right. 
Now, what's the best way to keep a client on track? Allow them to know and experience the highest version of themselves, the highest vision of themselves. Allow them to know that and hold it. So always be in a state of being able to remind them, you know, remind them, not in a way of false flattery, hmm. right? not in a way of false flattery, but a way in, in universal truth that they are made in the likeness of the universe or God, whichever word resonates with you. Don't let the vocabulary, you know, don't let the vocabulary like trip you up on your path to your highest self. Whatever word, source, goddess, creator, whatever word is, is comfortable for you to sit with. Reminding them that they are made in that likeness, which means that they are, they are it. They are it. They are the universe. They are source. They are creator. They are God. Whatever that is for you in that language. And allow them the invitation to experience that. So that can be, you know, if you are, um, in, you know, in the coaching sphere or the healing sphere, it's it's a continual language that you use with them that puts them in a state of sovereignty, reminding them that they're sacred, reminding them that they're divine, that they're holy, and treating yourself in accordance. Because if you are leading these people to greatness and you yourself are not leading yourself to greatness, it's really, really hard to carry that conversation, right? So allowing them to to know that and then to hold that for them hold them in the highest vision that you know is available to them so that every time that you're in communication with them you are projecting that energy to them not onto them not creating something that they are not not asking them to go beyond what they see for themselves in that moment but holding them sacred remembering that they're sacred, remembering that you're sacred, and then acting in accordance with them and keeping them on track through that way, not necessarily through this old kind of model of like endless checklists and to-dos. Like they already have checklists. Like people have checklists for checklists. You know what I mean? Like people have lists for their lists to remind them of their lists. You don't need to give them more lists of actionable steps, right? What you need to do is allow them to come back into a memory of their sacredness and we all have it it's it's buried some of us it's like way down in the depths of the depths but it is there and it is accessible as long as you as the coach or the guide or the healer whatever that role is for you sees that in them right so you have to see beyond their humanity support them in their human experience absolutely support them in their human experience allow them to to make the mistakes that they're going to make, allow them to learn from those experiences, but ultimately hold that vision of them in those moments that you're having those conversations, in the messages that you're sending to them. You know, don't let them forget because they're going to forget. <laughs> yeah. They're going to forget. Your job and your role is is to be that reminder for them. Hmm. Kind of like a mirror. That's it. Um, reflecting back the best. That's yeah. it. Love it. All right. And finally, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Mm. Own your story. <laughs> the, whole, the whole magnificence of you, the messy bits, the bits that um, we've been conditioned to believe aren't acceptable. You know, we've been conditioned to believe they're shameful. They're not, they're not appropriate. That's not appropriate for, you know, how many times have you heard that in your life? That's, oh, that's not appropriate for this, this <laughs> conversation. That's not appropriate for this yeah. setting. And, you know, 
And I, you know, I, I think that that's going to be up to you, right? Because what I've learned in my own journey and when, you know, witnessing other women journey into their healing and to, into personal power is that if you don't bring your whole self to the table, you're, you're, you're now creating a story that something's wrong with you, right? So regardless of what's happening in the outside world, if mm. you're not comfortable with your whole story, whatever it is that's happened to you, wherever you came from, the events from, you know, birth to now, if you don't take the time to honor and and really put those things into a state of reverence, you're leaving a good amount of you behind. And we need all of you. This goes for men and women. We need all of you. We need your whole you to show up. Like the world is crying out for it. Mother Earth is crying out for it. We're, we're seeing it everywhere. We need all of you to show up. So those things that you have been told are irrelevant or not important or shameful or embarrassing, they're not. They're not, if you decide that they're not. So that would be that would be what I would say, is that yeah. make sure that you are in love with the whole process of what got you to this point now. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. And, and of course, you know, we've all had a very unique set of experiences. So there's nobody else that's had the experiences that I've had in combination and, and same for you. That's it. Hmm. All right. Well, thanks, Kelly. This has been fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today? Everywhere. I <laughs> I feel like I'm everywhere now. Um, you know, all social media platforms. It's Kelly Ratney. You just put that in LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, wherever, wherever people are. Um, you know, showcasing themselves, you will find me there. Uh, you're welcome to message me on Instagram or LinkedIn. My website is kellyratini.com. You can have a look there. It talks about my work. You can get in touch with me through the website, um, which I believe is under construction right now. So if you go to it and it's giving you an under construction sign, be patient. It will be back up and running shortly. Um, but yeah, Instagram is an easy way to get in touch with me or LinkedIn. Those are my two platforms that I favor the most. So you can go ahead and search for me there. You can send me a message. Let me know what you thought about the episode. Any questions you have about my work, I'd be happy to answer them there. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll post all those links in the show notes. And uh, uh, your website's up at the moment, but um, it might, be, might be getting a bit of a makeover. It is. All right. Do you have some parting advice for our listener today, Kelly? Oh, goodness. So many things. But the thing that comes to mind is is start acting like you deserve it. Whatever the life is that you're longing for, you know, whatever the money is that you're longing for, whatever the the pleasure is, whatever the experiences is, start acting in accordance with those things and so that you can really keenly feel into your body that this is for you. Because they're not by accident. The desires that you have are not by accident. They're all things that are available to you as long as you're open to receiving them. So act as if you already have those things. Act in accordance with what it is that you're trying to create for yourself. And, and let go of the things that don't belong to you. The should list. Take a look at your should list and start letting those things go. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, get rid of the shoulds and, and yeah, tell yourself that you do deserve the good that's things. That's it. That's it. All right. Finally, who else should I get on the show on why, Kelly? Oh, my goodness. I have a fabulous friend, um, 
And she's been going through quite a transformation. Her name is Vanessa Ooms, and she is an incredible woman. I will absolutely introduce you to her. And she is making a really huge transition in her career. She is a very, very talented graphic designer. She's been running a graphic design business for, I want to say almost a decade. And she's very good, and she's seen a lot of success with it. But she's really feeling this call to more, to contribute more, to you know the collective, to to honor and hone in on her gifts. And so I think she would be a really, really good guest because I think there's a lot of people, you know, with COVID have been really exploring this idea of switching careers. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly not an easy transition to make, especially if you're really good at something already, but you have this, you know, nagging sort of intuitive voice saying, this isn't it, this isn't it. So mm -hmm. I think she'd be a really good guest for you to have because I know that there's a lot of people making transitions and, and I think it'd be nice for your listeners to hear from someone who's actively doing it right now and what are the steps that she's taking and how is she feeling while she's doing it. Okay, sounds fascinating. So we'll get an introduction to Vanessa from you. Absolutely. And um, start the conversation with her to get the ball rolling. Beautiful. Thanks so much for sharing your time and your insight so generously, Kelly. We've gone quite a long time today on this episode, but it's been a My fascinating pleasure. conversation. <laughs> We've uh, kind of gone some ways to solving some of the inequalities between the genders in the workplace and yes, and everywhere in between yeah a whole lot of ideas so if, if people are listening there take take those ideas on board and start experimenting so we can make some changes wonderful thank you and thanks everyone for like going all the way with us for this very insightful and slightly long episode i really appreciate that thank you so much yeah. thanks kelly I hope you enjoyed that really deep and insightful conversation with Kelly and took something away from her episode. I love her passion and her commitment to making change in this world to allow us to embrace everyone and their contributions regardless of gender, regardless of whatever category we want to throw them in. I'd really love to know what you took away from Kelly's episode. Please do leave a comment below the blog post and you can find that blog post at innovabiz.co forward slash Kelly Rattany. That is K-E-L-L-Y-R-A-T-T-A-N-E-E. -E. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Kelly Rattany. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Kelly as well as links to her website her social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Kelly suggested that we have a conversation with graphic designer Vanessa Ooms on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Vanessa, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Kelly Rattany. I'd really love you to leave a review on this episode because... We really want to know what you like most about our podcast and it also helps us ultimately make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred review platform. And of course, you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. 
Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including transformational coach and trainer, Skofrey Nana Yoyaboa, and Patrick Laverne of the Sales Champ Academy. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.